just looked uh, strange to us. I got a phone call almost 11 o'clock at night, and it was my mom. And she said, your brother died. He was murdered. And I said, what? All she knew was he was shot, and that was it. I was just kind of in shock and like, how can that be? It's just kind of a blur, just sitting there thinking, my brother was murdered? And you don't know anything, you have no idea. Welcome to this episode. For those of you who are listening for the very first time, welcome. My name is Harmony. All my life, I've really been into things that make you feel uncomfortable. You know, like stories of the macabre, the unusual, crimes, hauntings, conspiracies, and so much more. According to my therapist, these tales make me feel well familiar, which is afraid. There's comfort and fear for people who have been through a lot of trauma. And with that said, I have tales galore to share with you. So if you like stories that are a little bit uneasy, maybe a little spooky, or sometimes just murderous, stick around because this one, well, it's not spooky, but it's definitely murderous. I have to be a good girl. I feel that more than ever. I have to be a good girl for him. He's like my father. I want to be a good girl, God. I want to be a good girl. I have been a bad girl. That is an exact quote from Sabrina Lyman, the subject of who I want to speak about today and exactly what she did. It was August 17th in 2014, a Sunday. Robert Lyman, who was 38, was called into work to cover a shift for his co-worker. This wasn't anything unusual for him to do any kind of extra shifts, you know, everybody wants to make a little bit extra money from time to time, and that's exactly what Robert wanted to do. He was a really hard worker and genuinely enjoyed his job, which is more than most people can say. A lot of y'all are hard workers, but do you enjoy your job? Nah, really, but he did. Robert worked at a train yard, the Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railway, and this was located in California. It was around a 45-minute drive from his home in Silver Lakes, Hellendale, which is in Kern County, also, obviously, in California. He lived there with his wife, Sabrina Lyman, and their two children, Robbie and Leanne. Robert told them that he would be home after his shift, but he never came home. Dun dun dun! That's exactly why we're gathered here today, by the way. Now, Sabrina had actually spoke to her husband earlier that morning, and he had told her that he got real busy working on trains and that he had to go get his lunch, which was a tuna melt. It was on the go. He was just so overwhelmed that he was just go, 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 go. I'm kind of behind. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. So, Sabrina was like, okay, his day is obviously 
all busy, spoken for, so she went and visited her mother. You see, her mother had recently broken her hip, so she had to go visit her and she was just recovering. After the day sort of goes on, around 5 o'clock that night, Sabrina sends Robert a message. However, after some time, he didn't reply. At first, she wasn't really concerned because she knew how busy he was. He had literally told her, hey, I am so behind, I'm really busy, I can barely even get lunch, I am go, go, go. So she was just like, alright, he's go, 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 <laughs> I'll eventually hear from him. If she didn't hear from him, if he didn't text her back, she knew he'd be home roughly around 8 o'clock. However, 8 o'clock came and went and <laughs> there was no Robert. Sabrina hadn't heard from him since earlier that day. So at this point, she sends him more text messages and calls him multiple times to see, like, hey, where are you at, baby? You good? You alive? <clears throat> Hello? However, she got no answer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, I have a twisted story of love for you. One that will re-spark your belief in romance. And also, scare you to the core. Because the person right next to you may be planning to kill you. It had been 14 years since their big church wedding, and they still had a hopeful and happy future ahead of them. I made a phone call to speak with her. She was upset off and on through the conversation. She did ask me if we knew what happened to Rob. I told her that we had just began the investigation. She said she did not know of anybody that ever wanted to harm him or hurt him. later, two of Robert's co-workers stopped by and knock on the door. They told Sabrina that they were really very sorry to have to tell her this, but her husband had got hurt at work. Sabrina would later tell detectives who were investigating the case about her husband that she thought that this meant that Robert had a, well, he had had a possible workplace accident that had left him injured. She knew he had suffered some form of blunt force trauma, but she didn't know much more than that. Obviously, she was beyond terrified. She just wanted to know what happened to her husband. Sadly, police who were investigating the case had to let her know that it wasn't a workplace accident. In fact, her husband had been murdered. <gasps> what? Oh my god, Sabrina was just as shocked as you are. Immediately, police are like, I know, this is like absolutely a lot for you to handle but do you know of anyone that would possibly want to hurt him or you know kill him because we don't know what happened and we're hoping that maybe you could help us a little bit sabrina just like everybody else they talked to said she had no idea because he was the most fun loving and easygoing man you could ever come in contact with seriously everybody had the same thing to say about him that he was just phenomenal amazing so wonderful which left the police wondering, who the fuck would want to do this? Like, what the hell, man? This guy seemed to be incredible. I'm not kidding, guys. His workplace, the Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railway, yeah, they offered a $100,000 reward for information that led to the arrest and a possible conviction of whoever was responsible for his death. He was genuinely loved and such a good person. It was really disturbing because Robert was found inside of one of their buildings in the yard at 6.46 in the evening. He was last seen by his co-workers around 5 o'clock that evening as well, very much alive. So what the hell happened in that roughly hour and a half? Something must have because he ended up being shot twice. 
The autopsy revealed that he was shot in the face and it traveled through and exited out of his neck. You gotta be real fucking pissed off to shoot somebody in the face. That is some personal shit. The second shot, yeah, they didn't just stop there. They were like, mm -mm, that's not enough, one more. They pulled a zombie land and were like, bap, bap, double tap. I'm sorry, I used comedy to deflect because this is really disturbing. Now the second shot was to his chest. Now this one is, this pulled some magic bullet stuff because it went into his chest, up through his jaw, and ended up lodging into his brain. That is seriously some JFK ricochet ping pong bullet stuff there. However, this one was actually proven to be like real, not like the whole JFK, like, oh my God, it went out, inside, spun around, all the way up to Neptune, came back, hit the moon, bounced off, hit my friend's uncle's dog's cat, it's teapot on the way back down and right back through JFK's brain. One bullet, boom, boom, done. Back to the story at hand, which is not JFK. However, there was footage of this one as well, just like the grassy knoll footage. I am seriously going to stop with all the JFK references because we're going to go to a little audio break so I can compose myself and stop using that. And we're also going to talk about the footage at that point too. Don't go anywhere! This is the coldest, most calculating killer I've dealt with in my entire career and I've done a lot of them. It's Lemon, darling, not Lyman. I had a Leviosa, Leviosa moment. When I do these cases, I watch a lot of news pieces, I take a lot of notes, I kind of put it together, and this one I'm really trying to put in a story form for you guys so that when you get the whole shock and all of it, you're like, holy shit, I did not see that coming. Because believe me, this one's that's that's a, that's a, this one. This one's a real whoa. So I just need to correct myself because, like I said, I uh, when I watch this stuff, I don't always get the pronunciation correct on my notes. So it's not Lyman. They are not Robert and Sabrina Lyman. They are actually Robert and Sabrina Lemon. It's Lemon, darling. Okay, okay, you got that. Fantastic. We are on the same page now. Let's get back to the murder at hand. Okay, fun. Okay, it's not actually fun somebody dies, but, um, <laughs> that's why we're here. Police obtained some footage, like I told you about. Don't worry, I'm not gonna make another JFK reference. Now in this footage, there was a shadowy figure. One day we are gonna talk about shadow people, by the way, because that shit is fucking terrifying. I have been doing research on that for years. <laughs> I just don't want to talk about it for a long period of time because it's real freaking scary and it is a real phenomenon. Anyways, they saw a shadowy figure, but not one of those spoopy ones. And this creepy, spooky, but not a shadow figure of the paranormal sorts was just slinking around the yard. The person in the footage was wearing heavy clothing and they appeared to walk with, well, a limp. When they widened their search to the surrounding area, police obtained footage from a surveillance video at a nearby gas station. Much like the first surveillance video, they saw a person who looked really similar to, well, the first one. Because of that same little boop, boop, boop. That's a limp sound effect, by the way, in case you could not understand that. I'm just trying to make your ears have some nice little pleasure of the boop, boop, the limp, okay? Now this person's vehicle was a motorcycle, and it was close to the very same time that police believe the murder took place. 
this footage was all right there by the yard you know the railway the one that was offering the money for the reward that was like hey <laughs> this is where he worked and where he was murdered can y'all help us figure it out because no one feels safe as police continued to look into what had happened they started to wonder about the possibility that the shooting could have been the result of maybe like a robbery that had taken place at the yard maybe someone went in there to find something that could give them a lot of money and Robert just happened to be like hey what are you doing they were like oh wrong place buddy I got a gun <laughs> you should have kept on going because like that's real plausible especially when you take into account that Robert's office had in fact been ransacked which really made it look like a robbery gone whoops murderous it didn't actually seem as logical because, well, there were other offices and businesses right nearby, and those would have actually been far more valuable. Especially if the motive is robbery, well, valuable items is definitely on the itinerary. Not so much murder, though. Especially not one that's like, in the face, dude. Usually, if you get a boom boom and a robbery gone wrong, it's like the arm, the foot, maybe the gut, sometimes the chest, if they're just like, shit, I don't want to witness. But the face, that is personal as shit. Exactly what the police were thinking, because they were like, no, this isn't a robbery, man. Uh, I think Robert, I think he was the target. But again, everybody loved this guy, and if he was in danger, then everybody else is, and that is scary. Because seriously, nobody had a bad thing to say about Robert, and police were just sitting there like, dude, who done it? Seriously, do you have any idea? Because I'm, I'm, I'm taking ideas because nobody knows. Don't worry, I'm gonna throw you a bone soon. You're gonna figure it out eventually, but not quite yet. We're gonna get a little bit stranger and kind of bizarre. And yes, I said kind of. I thought we could just overlook that, but just in case we couldn't, <clears throat> I just wanted to get in front of it. Let's continue. It was usually Sabrina and I, and then we would go have sex with our husbands in the same room. police began to look into Robert's life. You know, they wanted to try to establish who would want to hurt him, although his family, his friends, and his co-workers all had the same thing to say. Nobody. He's just so amazing. The police were like, hmm, well, he's dead, so we gotta figure this out. This is when the police received a call from a man by the name of Jason. Jason and his wife, Kelly, were really, really good friends with Sabrina and Robert. Like, best friends. Like, such good friends that they had boop, boop, beep, boop, mm, mm, ah, each other if you catch my drift. Yeah. You see, as police began investigating further and further, they started to discover a little fun fact about the couple. Not only were Jason and his wife, Kelly, very good, practically best friends with Jason and his wife, Sabrina. 100% meant to say Robert and Sabrina, not Jason and Sabrina, but however, you're gonna understand because they were all carplunking on top of one another. They were doing the devil's tango. They were each other's little genitalias. They were seeing each other's downstairs mix-ups. They was fucking one another. That's right, because Robert and Sabrina were swingers. Bum bum bum! There's the first twist in the case. If you don't know what a swinger is, <laughs> don't worry, you've come to the right place, I got you. Swingers often advertise themselves with pineapples in case you're curious. However, they are more than likely a couple and they'll engage in sexual acts with other couples. 
obviously, as you're kind of putting together the Lamones, darling, they were swingers and they were engaging with some devils. Django with so many people. But that wasn't what Jason wanted to come to the police and talk about. It wasn't all, oh my God, you guys want to hear about the fingers and the butts and the mustache rides? Probably not. He did have some interesting stuff to share, however. He was concerned about another man by the name of Jonathan Hearn. And Jason told the police he believed they needed to go speak with him. Car accident and fire were two of the things that were discussed, but they ultimately decided on poison. Jason knew Jonathan through work. A few times they had some social gatherings at their job and they had like, you know, interacted. They weren't buddy-buddy. They weren't like, hey man, you want to go get a brewski after beer? Sure thing, pal. That wasn't really this dynamic. It was more of like a, oh yeah, I know that guy, but like, we don't fucking talk. However, Jason told police that he had discovered that Sabrina was having an affair with this 24-year-old firefighter, Jonathan. And he found this out before Robert was dun-dun-dun-murdered. In case you don't get what I'm trying to drop here. You smell it? I can't, my nose is stuffed up, but I think that's motive. Jason would continue to tell police that he actually approached Jonathan when he had found out about this affair and was like, Hey, you stay away from my best friend's wife. Unless you're involved in the group that fucks her, get the fuck back. Really wish I was kidding, but like, he did basically say like, you're not involved in this, therefore get away, stay away from her. That's my best friend's girl and only I and the other five men do things to her, not you. I'm trying to make this kind of like funny because I do use humor to deflect. However, it is a very real thing that I want to bring up real fast. Just because people have open relationships or they have a certain dynamic that is outside the norm of monogamy doesn't mean that cheating is actually okay. You have to understand what is normal for you may not be normal for somebody else. What is chaos for the fly is simply everyday life for the spider. Your idea of normalcy is different than others. And for Robert and Sabrina, being a swinger was their comfortable, normal lifestyle. They agreed and were completely okay with fucking, having sex, doing the devil's tango, touching other people's genitalia, as long as they were open, honest, and their partner knew. Another thing about this, however, is emotions were never allowed to be involved. You were not allowed to cross the lines of having feelings. If you started smiling at text messages, bitch, you better block that fucking number and never touch that peen or vagina again. Seriously, they didn't mind if you were doing things with another person. This was okay as long as the Barton knew. However, the moment you started to have emotions, you had to end the situation. And this is usually the grounds in a swingers like dynamic. Usually if you want to fuck the same person, go ahead and fuck the same person, but you cannot start to feel. Now, there are different dynamics of different relationships across the board, across the world, where this doesn't play at all, where people can have multiple partners, be in love, and have sex. Whatever you do and what other someone else does is honestly none of our fucking businesses. In my personal opinion, if it doesn't directly involve you or affect you in any way, shape, or form, then shut the fuck up and just ignore it because otherwise you would have had no goddamn idea. 
let people just live and be happy. However, if it does violate the guidelines that people have set up and people are getting hurt, then yeah, maybe something should be done about it. But I don't think that something is murder. However, in this situation, somebody else thought that was the perfect answer. Now, when Jason did find out and he did approach Jonathan and was like, dude, seriously, do not fuck my best friend's wife anymore. You have to stop this affair. It's not good. I don't approve of it. And I'm going to kick your fucking ass if you continue. He really did threaten him. However, he told the police that it didn't phase this kid, according to him, you know, this 24 year old was just like, nah, dude, <laughs> cool. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And he did. He kept seeing Sabrina. Side note, if you ever seen Raising Hope, every time I say Sabrina, I want to be like, Sabrina? No, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Okay, cool. Now, Jason's wife, Kelly, she told police that she actually saw Jonathan call over to Sabrina's house just a few days after Robert was murdered. Now, this kind of call is like when someone shows up at the door and they're like, you've got a gentleman caller. That's right. He had actually come by physically, given her some flowers and was just like, hey, are you okay? Like, I'm so sorry. Now, Jason's wife, Kelly, was like, mm, I didn't really believe that these were just like, oh, I'm so sorry your husband died flowers. Especially because they happen to be Sabrina's favorite flowers and there was like a nice little little note and uh, it just it seemed a little suspicious. Jonathan sent Jason a few text messages after Robert's murder and Jason thought that they were slightly unusual. And this is what made him approach the police with all of this uh, situationships all of this weirdness, all of this stuff. Jason told police that the text messages he received from Jonathan were in relation to seeking forgiveness for how shameful he had been. Are you curious? Do you want to know what they said? Don't worry, I'm going to tell you after this audio break. I know, I'm so evil. He had been hit by a motor vehicle, I believe, a day before. Uh, the murder occurred. That's why he was limping and he was being treated at the hospital and he was released after the murder took place. Now, these text messages, honestly, there's not a whole lot to them. It was just more or less him asking, needing, seeking, stating he feels as though he needs some form of forgiveness and he really hopes he receives it because he's just been not exactly the best person. Now, yes, vaguely, this could just come off more or less like I've had a pretty rough life, I've done some bad things, and I really hope that I can be forgiven. Or it could be more perceived as I really hope that one day not only can I forgive myself, but so can whatever greater power is out there because I totally just murdered and brutally ended someone's life. You know, it's like a tomato-tomato situation when it comes to these things. Either he's needing forgiveness because he brutally murdered someone, or he just needs forgiveness because, well, he's kind of had to make, you know, some rough decisions. Maybe he stole a loaf of bread when he was younger because he couldn't eat, you know, just like that kind of stuff. He was just coming off as though he's lived a shameful life, he's done a few things, and he really hopes that he can be, you know, forgiven. Now, why was he telling Jason this? <laughs> I don't know. Jason and Jonathan were not exactly besties, so this texting ship isn't normal. Another thing that kind of sent a red flag up was Kelly was around when that little, you know, bouquet of flowers came in and that little, that little letter that was attached. Yeah, Sabrina started gushing about how sweet Jonathan was. Oh my god, here, read this. Oh, look at this. It's just so sweet. He got me my favorite flowers. And oh my god, he, he said that Rob was such a great man. I know. 
gotta love him, don't ya? <laughs> what? Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally talking about loving my husband, not, not Jonathan. So Kelly was a little just like uncomfortable with the situation with the whole fact that this massive, like a very large bouquet of flowers, not like, a, oh my God, I'm so sorry your husband passed away, but like a, hey, don't forget about me. Don't you forget about me. Here's some flowers, baby. You know, like that kind of shit. They were massive. And there was that letter. And Kelly said that that letter really stuck out to her because Sabrina was smiling like she was just happier than a fucking clam. A clam whose husband was just crushed. Clam husband. You know what I'm saying? Now, Jason and Kelly were not the only ones that were concerned about the way that Jonathan and Sabrina had been acting because apparently these two canoodling wasn't really <laughs> that secretive. Detective Robert Mayer of the Kern County Sheriff's Department believed that maybe, just maybe, Sabrina and Jonathan knew a little bit more <laughs> about Robert's death than they were leading on. Police reached a deal with Jonathan. Jonathan agreed to turn on Sabrina. And he was ready to testify that she was there every step of the way in the planning that they even tried to kill him once before by poisoning his banana pudding. The police's investigation took place over roughly a three-month period. And in this time, they in fact confirmed that Sabrina was having an affair with Jonathan and it had been going on for almost bum bum ba two fucking years. Detective Robert was like, hmm, okay, we're gonna wiretap the phones and we're gonna like set up a plan here because these motherfuckers are lying. Neither of them wanted to tell the truth about anything and obviously, why would you? <laughs> Looks like you'd be suspicious of murder if you did start talking about, you know, the affair that you're trying to have. Especially when someone who wasn't involved in the affair and probably could put a damper on it ends up, well, dead. So. He, uh, his plan was simple, okay? He was going to give Sabrina false details. They were gonna be details all about the investigation and wait and see if she would share any details with Jonathan. Guess what? Do you wanna know what she did? Exactly what they thought she would. When Sabrina received calls from the detective, you know, to tell her how the case was going, within a matter of minutes of the call even ending, Sabrina would turn around and call Jonathan and tell him every single thing that the detectives had told her. The recordings of their call also revealed how they spoke to one another. They talked about how much they loved each other. They spoke of the sins that they were both involved in and how they both were seeking forgiveness from God, all because of something that they had done. <laughs> I mean, that's sounding a little bit like, <laughs> I'm just gonna throw like my hat in the ring and say murder? I don't know though, it could be way off. Besides the fact that Jonathan's porkin' thy neighbor's wife, which is absolutely, you know, according to the, the law of sins, a sin. What's the other sin that they were talking about? Because unless it's just the affair, sounds a little bit suspicious. On one recording, Jonathan told Sabrina to read two psalms as they would be good for the soul. He recommended Psalm 38 and Psalm 51. In case you are not familiar with any of this, allow me to enlighten you. Both of these passages actually have to deal with King David and his lust over who is known as Bathsheba. Bathsheba is the wife of Uriah. Now David wasn't just in lust with Bathsheba. 
In fact, the two did begin a rather lustrous affair that would actually culminate in her becoming pregnant with David's love child. David had Uriah killed and married Bathsheba. In the passages, David expresses the guilt he's feeling and he seeks forgiveness from God. Hmm. <clears throat> I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but like, I'm going to go ahead and just say that sounds like somebody killed somebody and I think I think I'm just gonna I think it was Jonathan and Sabrina and I think it was Robert in the railway you know with the gun the boom boom right there that's just my guess in this game of Clue what about you I didn't find out about that until I had a chance to interview Jonathan just before his trial started and then later in court he was able to detail it Jonathan testified to another plan that Sabrina and him had come up with to murder Rob Lamone. Uh, Jonathan uh, purchased some poison on the internet. His intentions were to put the poison in uh, a dessert that was uh, a favorite of Rob's and have Sabrina give that dessert to a Rob. Jonathan received the poison. He did uh, test the poison out on a neighborhood dog to make sure he was using the right amount of poison per uh, the body weight of the individual. Yeah, he delivered that pudding to Sabrina. The next day, Sabrina provided the pudding to Rob when he was going to work at THP again. Shortly after Rob was gone with the pudding, Jonathan started having second thoughts about uh, giving the pudding to Rob. Uh, he was afraid that they were going to get caught. So he contacted Sabrina and told Sabrina to call Rob, provide him some story to, uh, so that he would uh, dispose of the pudding. And she had uh, called Robin told him to give her the pudding that it was uh, bad, it was spoiled. Look, police usually don't want to reveal all of their cards right off the bat if they have like an ace up their sleeve. So they didn't want Sabrina to know that, hey, we know that you were having an affair and we're not talking about your little sex parties. We're talking about the emotional one that you were not supposed to be having. They desperately and intentionally kept that fact that they knew away from Sabrina to see what she would do. They did, however, ask her about her marriage. Police were in possession of Robert's phone and it had a number of pictures of naked women on it. You know, multiple women, not just his wife and not the kind of like, hey, screenshot, I like this porn star, or maybe this like amateur OnlyFans ladies. It wasn't like that. It was as though he had taken them or been sent them. These were of personal nature. So police were like, hey, did you know this? Because <laughs> these are a lot of naked women. What's going on? Obviously they knew what was going on, but they can't let Sabrina know because they're trying to let her feel as though she is safe. Tell us everything, Sabrina. We are not any sort of enemies. We don't even know that you're secretly having an affair. <laughs> That's right, Sabrina. Tell me your dark secrets. I'm sorry, I'm giving it away too soon. Don't want to spoil the finale. So, police were like, hey, Sabrina, do you know that your husband has a lot of naked ladies in his phone because there's a lot of triple X photos here? The police were like, hey, do you guys have infidelity going on in this relationship? Like, what the fuck is this? We're just a little confused. We got to piece this puzzle together and like no judgment. But can you explain something to us? Because we don't understand. Now, they asked her, hey, is there infidelity? Seriously, because 
it looks as though maybe Robert was involved with somebody else. Do you think that he was? Was he having an affair? That's right. They were like, hey, you know, we know Sabrina. Definitely. Hmm, she was having an affair. However, let's make her think it's totally, we have no idea, but we think it's quite possible that Robert, Robert was the one going behind her back. And guess what? That means motive. And that means that Sabrina, obviously, maybe, most likely didn't have anything to do with it, right? Maybe it's a jilted lover. Maybe it's one of the wives that they were like, you know, on the weekends. They specifically asked her if they had, you know, an open marriage. And if they did not, did they have a fantastically great relationship? Because something here seemed a little off. This is when Sabrina was like, you know what, I gotta tell you, this is how it is. Police felt, and this is where we're gonna go for a second, if they were engaging in a consensual swingers type open relationship, which seemed to be pretty apparent, why, why? would anyone lie about that to the, you know, authorities? If she would go on to lie about it, would she lie about something else? Because guess what? Sabrina said, I do declare, officers, I cannot believe you would think such a travesty of my marriage. She flat out was like, no, we were actually extremely in love, so happy. We have never left the confines of this marriage. It has been almost 15 years and everything is just peachy motherfucking keen. Why do you ask, darling? Oh, oh yeah, the murder, that's right. Hmm, I don't know. Like I said, everybody loved him. He's amazing. Uh, <clears throat> I have no idea. The clearing of the throat there was a hint that again, another twist is about to be coming your way! While Jonathan was testifying, he stated that he later spoke to Sabrina after the pudding uh, was hopefully disposed of. And the part that he was nervous about was that law enforcement would start listening or looking into their phone records and they would see that they were having conversations and that would bring him into the uh, investigation. And later on, according to Jonathan, is when he purchased the burner phone and supplied it to Sabrina. I'd like to begin this segment with a passage. Please, bow your heads. Wait, you do that when you pray. We're not praying. Okay, you can just listen. Have mercy on me, oh God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my inequity and cleanse me from my sin. Jonathan told Sabrina that David, quote, is a lot like you and I, Sabrina. He made a lot of big mistakes and was someone who committed adultery and went on to kill the guy. He went out of his way to cover his sin. On these calls as well, Jonathan called on God for forgiveness. We've been dirtbags. We've been sinners. That's a direct quote from the recordings from Jonathan to Sabrina. You heard it here. He said it. And I bet you're all gonna agree very soon. While police were gathering information via the proceedings and the recordings, they were also checking out other surveillance from the area and a number of people were calling in on the tip hotline because there's a lot of money to be rewarded right now. That $100,000 is like a big old juicy steak and everybody is a lion just waiting to sink their teeth into it. When police 
finally obtained a close-up of the man from the surveillance footage, they showed Sabrina, and they said that someone provided them with a tip that they thought the man was a man who went by the name of maybe John? Sabrina, do you know a John? Johnny? Johnny boy? Maybe you scream, ah, oh, Jonathan, from time to time. Do you know someone by that? You know, they gotta play it coy and all. They even were like, hey, maybe Robert knows someone by the name of John. Do you? Does the name John ring any bell, Sabrina? Come on, fucking don't lie to us. Because all Sabrina was doing at this point was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Everybody loved my husband so much, including me. Police were like, seriously, do you know anyone named John? Because we we want to figure this out. And you're, you know, think, think hard, man. Police finally got some answers from Sabrina. She was like, oh my god, I think I actually know two men that actually go bo both by that, so you're in love. However, these two men were not actually the Jonathan that they were hoping she was gonna mention. They were like two other fucking, literally two other Johns, as the saying would be. They're just two Johns over there. That's exactly what she did. She was like, oh, look at the distraction. However, others knew Jonathan, and when they saw the image, they were like, dude, no, that's actually Jonathan. Like, that's fucking him. I heard stories about Rob taking video cameras to work in Barstow, setting up the camera on a stool or on a bench or something like that, going and working and cutting and welding or doing whatever he was doing to the rail car, and then showing the video to his son later that night. He loved working on the railroad, and he loved his family, too. Rob always wanted to get home. If he worked one day or if he worked three days, he never stayed in Tatchby. He always went home at the end of the ship. And he lived a good hour and a half, two hours away. They had the boat there and then Silver Lakes take the boat out all the time. That's, that's what he liked to do. He wanted to be out on the lake with his family, with his kids and his wife. You know, he was just so happy just to be their daddy, you know? That's all he wanted. He loved being their daddy. Both Jonathan and Sabrina would be bum bum ba arrested. And then they were questioned for dun 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 Rabatos Assassinato. No? You don't you don't get that one? Okay, let me try again. Rabatos omachidio. No? Do you not speak Spanish or Italian? Okay, hold on. Robert's murder. How about that? Sabrina was released due to lack of evidence, however, and Jonathan would go on to be charged with first-degree murder because there was a little bit of evidence against that man. Like, literally on film. So he couldn't really be like, mm -mm, I don't know what you're talking about. Sabrina was told that she would actually end up being called to testify against Jonathan, so, you know, be prepared for that, hun. However, that never happened. Because she would go on to be arrested again and charged. She didn't know it, but Jonathan was squealing. Jonathan was like, yo, hey, um, listen, I know exactly what happened because, well, you're never going to believe this, but I was there and I do not want to spend my life in, like, forever in jail, so how about we make a deal and I tell you everything I will like literally I'll tell you everything I'll write it down I will sign it out I'll put it in different languages but please for the love of God I do not want to spend life in jail give me less than that let me have a possibility at something some semblance of a living please police were like yeah no uh we heard you and for sure you just don't leave out any details so he pled guilty and was like here is my song because he really sang it. 
He was sentenced to 25 years and four months in prison as a thank you for his tell-all confession. He accepted his responsibility for the voluntary manslaughter with firearm enhancement, attempted murder, poisoning, and accessory to murder. That's a, that's a mouthful in his rap sheet. However, Sabrina would go on to be charged with first-degree murder, and uh, she would plead, dun, 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 not guilty, because of course she would. Also, P.S., she is 100% smiling in her photo after being arrested. Oh my god, this lighting is gonna look fantastic on my makeup today. Do you guys have cookies? Oh, just bologna sandwiches? Do you have any mayonnaise? No? Just old, stale mustard? Fantastic. What was that? Look straight? Okay. How's it look? To see my brother have a son and a daughter, and to, to see the, the joy in him of being a dad. Robert, uh, as the kids got older, especially Robbie, he played soccer and baseball, so Robert helped coach those teams. Robert would go work his, you know, nine, ten-hour day, come home, get cleaned up, and either go to practice or go to games. He didn't miss anything of his kids. He was always there. There was also father-daughter dances. He always did something with the kids. That was his life. At the Wicked Witch of the West, East, South, and North, Sabrina's trial, it was the prosecution's case that Jonathan was the person who shot and killed Robert, but Sabrina conspired with him, and they both planned the murder together. It was the prosecution's case that Sabrina conspired with Jonathan to plan to kill her husband as she wanted a new life. Prosecutor Eric Smith told the court they did not have the just to take the word of Jonathan that Sabrina was involved because, like, what was the other evidence? You're going to take this guy's word for it? Stupid. I mean, yeah, you got a few, like, wiretap phone calls and they may have been in love, but that doesn't mean they killed anybody. Come on, use your head. Stupid! Oh, 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 she she lied to the police. You got that too? <laughs> Who hasn't lied to a cop? Few several times. If everybody got arrested for lying to the cops, then nobody'd be walking around, you know? And that evidence indicated that maybe she aided and abetted in the killing, because like <laughs> he, she like didn't react when he was like, I can't believe I, I did that. <laughs> I don't know. That's just she was in shock. Fight or flight. It's broken. She's in trauma. Her husband just died. Come on. I'm just saying. <laughs> My client is not guilty. The court heard that the day Robert was murdered, Jonathan called Sabrina five times. And they spoke a total of three hours and 43 minutes. The court heard that Sabrina told Jonathan where to find Robert at work. Like exactly where he'd be located and the hours that he'd be due at work that very day, which was like a 12-hour window, but still, she was like, he'll be here, he'll be here, he'll be right here as well. He usually takes a bathroom break around this time, and he eats lunch here. He's really busy today, so you gotta make sure you're at the right spot at the right time. It was the prosecution's case that Sabrina wanted Robert out of the way so that she could marry Jonathan and have him raise their two children and they could be a happy 
family. The court also heard that there was uh, some um, financial bump, 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 give me the money motive here too. Sabrina received $300,000 in life insurance payouts following Robert's death. So that could have been 300,000 reasons that she would also want her husband to be <laughs> dead. She could also claim and receive a settlement from Robert's employer as, you know, he was killed in the workplace. Girls out here just making bank. All because of a little amagidio, madre mia. Hmm. That's exactly how my Nona would say it if she was here and we were talking about this murder. Because she also was kind of into, like, <laughs> crimes. But she was from Italy, so she liked more of the boom, boom hitman stuff. So Jonathan was the main witness for the prosecution. He testified that they felt the only way that they could move forward in their relationship was if Robert was dead because everything else, they, they had done everything else. They couldn't live together. They couldn't get married. They couldn't be public, like, you know, really public. So Robert had to be dead. I know you love my sound effects. Sorry about that, but not sorry also. They added that she wanted Jonathan to raise her children and that, you know, she wanted them to be raised by godly parents. Nothing says I love Jesus more than murder. The court even heard the references to their love and to God and to Bibles and were like, hmm, y'all know murder is like, <laughs> not Jesus-like. Like, you get that, right? Like, you guys, you understand, hello? Why are there crickets? Rob made you want to be a better man to your, to your wife, just based off how he talked about his family and how happy he was. Rob was the perfect family man. Jonathan testified about all of the planning that went into Robert's murder. He said that he fell in love with Sabrina over the course of about two years because that's about how long their affair was. They wanted her husband out of the way so that they could share their lives together. He told the court that on August 17th of 2014, he returned home after a night shift at work. He then called Sabrina to discuss the plan before he went to the train yard in order for him to kill Robert. He testified that him and Sabrina went over the layout of the Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railway complex and exactly how and where he could avoid being detected. Sabrina urged him over and over again, be careful. She warned me to be cautious because he was not somebody who would go down without a fight kind of thing. Jonathan told the court that he drove to the railway on his motorcycle after he removed the bike's license plate. You know, so <laughs> couldn't get caught. How's that working out for you, Johnny boy? He bought a backpack with a change of clothing and a 45 caliber handgun fitted with a homemade silencer that he created using the barrel of a large mag flashlight, you know, like the mag lights, and an engine freeze plug. He then headed out to the train yard and looked for Robert. When he did see Robert in the garage, Jonathan walked to the east side of the facility and stood between some buildings. As he stood there, he kind of thought about like what his next move was going to be. This is when he said a prayer to himself and then entered the garage. He testified that he spoke briefly to Robert. And then when Robert turned his back to stock the fridge with more water and Gatorade, Jonathan took out his handgun, walked up to him 
and shot him. It was inevitable. That Rob needed to die for Sabrina and I to move forward with our relationship. After the first shot, Jonathan went into the office and stole some items. He told the court that he and Sabrina thought if they could make it look like a robbery had taken place, then, you know, we could like throw the suspicion. Jonathan walked then back over to Robert and shot him a second time, just in case the first one didn't kill him. He testified that he called Sabrina and told her it was done. They agreed not to contact each other for a while in order to avoid any, you know, suspicion or to get caught. <laughs> How's that working out again, guys? Jonathan said that after he killed Robert, he felt like a sense of relief. And next on uh, this episode of holy shit, that's fucked up. The court also heard that just days before Robert was murdered, Sabrina sent multiple messages to Jonathan. She didn't even question who could have possibly like, you know, murdered her husband at all. Prosecutors argued that that was because she already had the answer, however. It was like, I don't have to be like, oh my God, I wonder who did this because pff, I already know. It was me. Well, me and Johnny boy over here. But hey, 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 you wanna know what she was talking about in these messages? I can go ahead and tell you she was saying stuff like, I adore you, Jonathan Hearn, you sexy guy. When it should have been more like, oh my God, my husband was just like cruelly murdered. <laughs> what the fuck? Instead she's over here like, I want you so bad and I love you so fucking much. Like, what the fuck? If that doesn't say, I'm a little bit guilty. <laughs> I don't know what does besides what else we're gonna talk about. Yeah, mm -mm, we are not done. Sabrina Limon was really twisted. Uh, that divorce was not something very appealing to her as an option for uh, the foundation of our, of our relationship together. Um, she gave me a, a number of reasons for a variety of different reasons. Um, and, and these were things we, we uh, discussed over numerous conversations, but to um, summarize, um, for her own sake, first of all, uh, she expressed that the loyalty of her family and friends would most likely be with Rob. So if she was to uh, initiate a divorce, most of her friends and family would side with Rob and she would be seen as uh, the bad guy, so to speak. So. Um, it, that was that was one of the main reoccurring reasons, uh, but other reasons just included, I think, the lifestyle of uh, sort of autonomy that she wouldn't really have to address ongoing issues with Rob. Um, also, she expressed issues with uh, that it would be in the the children's best interest as far as um, if. Uh, as far as the complications that arise out of having children raised in two different households with dual custody and all of those issues, uh, that divorce wasn't so much a, a pleasing option. Um, even for as ironic and sad as this sounds, uh, for Rob's sake, um, she expressed that he would honestly rather be dead than divorced. And, um, that uh, losing her would essentially kill him, which was something she didn't want to cause as far as the emotional expression, kill him. Um, so uh, it, those were, like I said, a summary of some of the things she expressed. Uh, I had a frank disgust 
for him that was developing and contributing to me being very dismissive of his life, ultimately. The prosecution told the jury to consider not just Jonathan's testimony, because yeah, he could say whatever he wanted, but listen to Sabrina's very own words, you know, on those wiretap phone calls. Maybe read over her thousands upon thousands of text messages, and then decide, is she guilty? or not. It was the defense cases that's only evidence the prosecution had against Sabrina was the testimony of Jonathan. And they told the jury that he couldn't be trusted, you know, he was a cold and calculated killer. He went to freaking Robert. They also added how it was really convenient that he got a super lenient uh, sentence because he decided to squeal on her. So that's just convenient. Everybody loves to be able to shift blame. And that's what they were saying he was doing. So like, come on, you can't believe him. They said that the prosecution had made a deal with the devil. Sabrina would also go on to testify at her trial, which probably wasn't for the best. Sorry, I'm giving it away. She admitted that she had an affair with Jonathan, but said that she knew nothing about his plan to kill her husband. Because I just love him. This is so much. How do you not know why I keep giving her a, like, accent from the South? She does not have a Georgia accent. Now, the jury heard how Sabrina told Jonathan how to get to Robert's work and what hours that he would be working, specifically on the day that he was shot dead. The court also heard she used a burner phone to communicate with Jonathan. If you weren't doing anything suspicious, Sabrina, why couldn't you use your phone? Why'd you need a burner one, hmm, hmm, hmm? In her testimony, she also said that she gave her husband's work schedule out only, and I mean only, because she wanted the two of them to like, you know, <laughs> become friends. You guys don't see, like my husband just, all he had were the guys that I was screwing, and I was like, hey, you should meet the guy that I'm in love with. Sounds like a party. She just wanted them to be friends, okay? That's all she wanted. Jesus, y'all, I can't believe you would look at her as a, a temptress, a murderer. Never. Sabrina also testified that she was so happy in her marriage with Robert, but things did change in 2008 when they decided to begin that swingers lifestyle. When we opened our marriage bed, it changed the dynamics of our sacred bond, as stated in court by Sabrina. Things did seem to somewhat change apparently according to her because she said she still loved him and she even said that, you know, she didn't she didn't want to leave him. She decided against that because she did love him. However, this whole new lifestyle that he wanted her to be in, it caused her to start drinking a lot. She said that because of this, they started partying more and become overly fixated on sex. Kind of became like a like an insatiable craving. They both had it and they both were just mm, diving into it. Robert and Sabrina decided to get involved in what we call an open marriage. They got involved with wife swapping, partner swapping. According to Sabrina, when she met Jonathan, he really made her feel special. She kind of met him at a time when she was having a lot of difficulties, which side note, if you are struggling, if you are healing, if you are going through trauma, do not try to fucking date. Hurt people, hurt people. Anyways, she was having some serious difficulties in her marriage. Yeah, 
like I said, hurt people, hurt people. She was hurt in her marriage. Obviously, it's what she's stating. Doesn't mean he lead to murder, but she decided to go out of that marriage. Even though her and her husband already had agreements on going out, this is different. They also met while she was working at Costco, just handing out samples. And at first, it started as like a friendship. It was somebody that made her feel comfortable, safe, and special. He paid attention to her and just her. That makes any girl kind of feel a little bit special. Jonathan started to come in there a few times a week, you know, for uh, some free samples. And eventually he was like, hey, let me get them digits. Sabrina told the court that she began to fall in love with him rather quickly. He was intelligent and focused solely on her. She became completely and utterly addicted to him. He was like nobody I'd ever met before. She described the affair as almost like some sort of second life. She made plans with him about dreams that she had had, but at the same time, she still loved and was living with her husband. She told the court that she never even contemplated killing her husband. She adored him, but also somehow wanted to live this other life. Her lawyer asked her to explain why she lied to police when they were like, hey, do you, do you have an open marriage? Have you ever slept with somebody else? Like, what the fuck? Because I was so embarrassed. Yeah, you were embarrassed? Embarrassed? <sighs> No, I feel like, I feel like you're lying, Sabrina. Sabrina said the whole thing was that she just didn't want her personal life to become so public. As you can imagine, these recorded calls and text messages, though, that she was heavily involved in were referred to a lot in court. It was argued though that there was no real evidence in any of them that she knew that Jonathan had in fact killed Robert. There's nothing in there that says, oh, by the way, get rid of my husband for me. That's Richard, her lawyer. Two of the Lamone children even asked the court, please do not take my mommy away from me. Sadly, just six hours later, well, less than that actually, Sabrina was found guilty of first degree murder. And I say sadly for the kids, but not sadly because justice needed to be served, but I do feel bad for the children that did lose both of their parents in this situation. She wasn't just charged with first-degree murder of her husband, Roberto. Sorry, Roberto Limon. She was also charged with conspiracy to commit murder, soliciting murder, and being an accessory after the fact. She was found not guilty on charges of attempted murder and poisoning in, you know, relation to the whole banana pudding incident. She was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison and 16 months to be served after the first 25 to life. A lot of people were like, yeah, hell yeah, she fucking deserved that shit, except for one. Karen Hudgens, who is absolutely Sabrina's best friend in the whole wide world, was not happy. In fact, she publicly reacted in the courtroom, which was all of it was live streamed, by the way. I forgot to mention that in the beginning. Yeah, you could have watched this whole thing go down. She was like, <laughs> she literally got up, stormed out, cursing and swearing and was all, they sent an innocent woman to prison for life. She was big mad. Big mad, he's mad, she's mad. Personally, if you couldn't tell, I think Sabrina's a little bit guilty. Now you may be just like her best friend thinking that's bullshit, she's super innocent, and along with her family who think that she is also very much innocent. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it however and why I think how I do when it comes to her. The reality is, regardless of what her family and her friends actually think of her or how she could or couldn't do something, 
the jury heard all of the evidence from Jonathan's testimony and they listened to the recordings, they read the text messages and they found her guilty. And that's the bottom line. Robert is dead, Sabrina's in prison, and so is her, one of her lovers, Jonathan. I almost said her lover, but apparently she had a few. Again, Jonathan is the only one that Robert didn't know of, probably until the very moment of his death. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, that was the horrific and fucked up story of Roberto Lemon's, <clears throat> sorry, murder. Jet just hit me right in the keister. Yeah, some people like that. I can't believe he finally settled down with a nice girl. Oh, well, he may have settled down all right, but I'm not that nice. You do know that this is a wife swapping party, right? The whole point of a key party is to meet new and interesting people and have sex with them. Oh, my God. You're swingers. I know this is gonna sound so dark and twisted and I always feel kind of weird saying this, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's not like we're... Well, that is what I have for you guys today. Really messed up story about something that could have been really great for people. Listen, I don't subscribe to a lot of society norms and I think that's kind of my autism, letting me know to think independently and not just be told what to do and how to exist. I do strongly believe what may not work for you could work swimmingly for somebody else. And also, the same could be said, what works fantastic for you doesn't work so well for others. However, no matter what, if you have a partner, you need to be open, honest, and clear with them. Everybody deserves honesty from either A, me and you just fucking each other ain't enough, I want more people. Or option B, I need more emotional substance than what you can give me. I need to find more, but I don't want to leave you. Can we have an open relationship? Fantastic. Option C, you and me and just us forever, we are not leaving the confines of us too, otherwise known as monogamy. And then so many other options out there. Y'all, love is love. Sex is sex. If it ain't illegal, if you're not hurting people, and it's making you happy, all right. You do you, boo. But the moment you start killing people, well, <laughs> I want to know and I'm going to tell everybody your secret because that's just what I do here on what the actual left. As always, if you'd like to send me a story to look into, please send me an email at whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. I am rather behind. I, I really am. I'm currently trying to put together a really awesome case that I believe his name is Brandon. One of you guys sent me. I'm so sorry if I'm getting your name incorrectly, but as soon as I say the case, you're going to know. You were involved as a juror on the case and you sent me a lot of the information and the articles. I'm literally getting ready to release that episode. It's like maybe a week to three tops away but there's like a lot of great stuff and you guys send me so much to work with that the episodes that I put together that have help in a sense from you mean a lot to me this podcast is going to continue to grow, change, and shift, all so I can make sure you guys enjoy the content that I create. However, you can always guarantee that I will continue to create that content for you. Because as long as people are out here being real-life monsters, well, I'm going to continue to come here and tell you stories about it. With that said, please stay safe out there. I love you. And you know what? I don't ever want to come here and have to tell a story about you. Hopefully, I will talk to you on the next episode of What the Actual F. Stay safe. I love you. Bye.